I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. Welcome to Rich Text, a podcast about our cultural obsessions, like the entire Katie Thurston dating show universe. It's so wide. (laughs) If you're listening today, you're already a paid subscriber to our audio and written newsletter, Rich Text. Thank you, as always, for being here. You quite literally make our work possible. We're here today because we watched season three of F-Boy Island, the CW edition. They've gone network. They've gone mainstream. After two, I would say, groundbreaking seasons on HBO Max, yes. where they really did things with the dating show forum that we haven't really seen. Then it was canceled. The CW came in, saved it from the garbage heap, and gave it a second life. But I would say a kind of slightly more neutered second life. I would agree. They also put Katie Thurston, our resident chaotic (laughs) ex-bachelorette and stand-up comedian, in one of the leading lady roles. So because of this rebirth and the rebirth alongside the reality TV dating career of Katie Thurston, we felt it was extremely important for us to discuss. Yeah, we couldn't miss this season, even though we're in like the holiday season now and like our focus is typically elsewhere, we knew we had to to get to F-Boy Island. Absolutely. So a little history of F-Boy Island for the uninitiated. The show was created by Elon Gale, who is a former executive producer of the Bachelor franchise. Famously, the one who is responsible for most of the comedy embedded in Bachelor (laughs) in Paradise, for example. And F-Boy Island is hosted by Nikki Glaser, who also serves as an EP on F-Boy Island. The show premiered its first season on HBO Max in 2021. And after season two, it was dropped by Max, which had also dropped the HBO by then in (laughs) December of 2022 and then resurrected this year by the CW. Yeah, they also greenlit a spinoff called F-Girl Island, which I'm kind of anxious about watching because there's something about watching women competing for male attention, but maybe they're secretly just there for the money that has different connotations and historical baggage, shall we say. So I'm interested to see if they will manage to do something fun and subversive with that. But meanwhile, we got season three of F-Boy Island, which premiered in October. It just wrapped up. F-Boy Island is basically here for the right reasons, gamified with money. Each season follows three leading ladies as they navigate a dating pool of men, half of whom are self-proclaimed F-boys and half of whom are self-proclaimed nice guys. At the end, there is a $100,000 prize basically allotted to each woman and her partner, her winning partner. And if she chooses a nice guy, that person has to split the money with the lead. But... If a lead chooses an F-boy, that F-boy can choose to split the money and continue a relationship or keep the entire $100,000 for himself. It is fun how this show takes that for the right reasons subtext and makes it really written into the rules of how the game works. It's also a little bit goofy on its face because just because someone is a nice guy doesn't mean that they are necessarily there for the right reasons or that an f-boy is necessarily 
incapable of generosity and love. These are sort of fluid categories. And that's something the show tries to play with a little bit. I was trying to explain to Adam because he was like, wait, I don't understand like what makes someone an F boy. And I was like, basically nothing except they can keep all the money. (laughs) I was like, the main designation is... (laughs) Can you keep all the money for yourself or not? Right. I think the best way maybe to explain it, because this is how I came to understand it, is just that it's two different shows that they're cast for. Like we cast a group of guys saying, this is a show about winning money. And we cast a different group of guys saying, this is a show about finding love. And of course, that is like not a precise way of separating out the people who are there for the wrong reasons, right? Because The Bachelor is a show about finding love. And yet every season we're like, I think that some of these people are just here for money. (laughs) They're just here for that sweet, sweet influencer platform. They're just here to promote their winery or whatever. And so obviously that is not a very precise way of doing it. But by casting it on those separate tracks, they're able to have this sort of clear divider between F-boys who will want the money, nice guys who will want a relationship, and they have different rules to play by. Yeah, within the world of the show, I'd say the real distinguishing factor is about initial intentions. And that is kind of how they make that designation. And what always quickly happens is that the leads are like, I think what I want is an F-boy who reforms just for me. Almost every time. Yeah. I saw a Twitter thread a while back by like a romance writer about how the the trope of a romance heroine is always sort of a virginal woman who only is like sexual and free spirited with the perfect man and the the prototypical romance hero is someone who is like promiscuous doesn't care about women uses them and tosses aside except with his perfect woman right (laughs) and that's sort of the idealized image that a lot of these women carry into the show which is i don't want a guy who just is committing to me because he's boring and he can't do any better i want a guy who has all the options does whatever he wants he's got the ultimate power in the dating scene but i'm so wonderful that he's choosing to reform yeah he chooses me He's giving up money for me. And that is how I know that he's good. Yeah. So at first, all the women were like, I think I want to find a nice guy. And now every season begins with the women being like, I want a reformed F-boy. I think that's actually the gold standard. (laughs) There were some changes in season three, which was to be expected because it's a new network with a different brief, perhaps a different set of expectations they definitely have to stick to a much stricter amount of time for each episode for example whereas on max they were able to like sometimes put out a 53 minute episode and sometimes put out a 40 minute episode it wasn't as uniform obviously on network tv it is much stricter in terms of time slot in terms of ad slot and also There's a little bit less flexibility, a little bit less room for experimentation and silliness on a network show. Yeah, there's probably budget cuts, would be fair to say. So the main thing that we immediately noticed was missing was the afterlife for the guys who are eliminated. In the first two seasons, the F-boys who are eliminated go to a place called Limbro, which is sort of like a beach prison camp and try to reform themselves (laughs) and the nice guys go to a beautiful villa called the nice guy grotto and so they remain characters on the show especially the f-boys we see them doing therapy with nikki glazer and trying to understand why they're f-boys 
And so when they reemerge back onto the show, which does happen this season, it's not sort of as a reunion. It's more that they are once again migrating from their location back to the the main stage. We missed Limbro, especially. I think it was a huge loss for the show to cut this. From the network's perspective, I understand why they made this decision. You think of a dating show, you're like, well, what we what is essential to the dating show is showing the people that are still dating, right? Yeah. Not the people who were kicked off. But what F-Boy Island in the first two seasons did really nicely is that it allowed for these narrative threads to carry through even yeah. outside of that structure. And I liked the idea that there was like a potential for re-education of F-Boys. <laughs> and like it gave Nikki Glazer, I think, a really great opportunity to shine as a comedian for them to write some like really funny bits and to also involve the cast in this like mutual creation of story that lets the audience know they're all really having fun here. Yeah, I think that's a really big part of it. It kind of humanized all the contestants because we see them outside of the context of literally competing in the challenges and going on dates. We see and them trying to con women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, usually on these shows, they get cut, that's it, goodbye. We never see them again. Maybe at a reunion show or we see them on Instagram later. But this really reinforced the idea that these are people who continue to exist once they're no longer in contention. And like, what does it do to them to be cut? Are they, you know, the next day after the initial hurt has subsided, do they understand why she cut them? Or are they still really feeling really misunderstood? Like, what are they going to do about it? Are they going to try to go back and make their case? Or are they going to take this forward into the next relationship? Has it hardened them? They're really going to be an F-boy now. You know, you get to really see how all these things affect them. And so I think that's one of the things that made the show so revolutionary in a way. Yes. It felt more like you're watching a movie or a narrative TV show because that whole world is built out. There isn't just this one stage. Yeah, I think there was something about this loss that like, as you said, shrink that world down to the it was like the difference between watching a movie and being immersed in the world and feeling like you are watching a show tape on a sound stage. Yeah. And like that is more the feeling that I got, at least in the first few episodes of this season. Uh, I mean, we've just seen that... a million reality dating shows, right? Right. And they always have the same sort of structure where you bring in the leads, bring in the, the contestants. They compete in some goofy challenges. They feel each other's abs. They make out. Someone gets eliminated. We never see them again. That is a very familiar formula. We kind of understand how that sausage is made. And so it was so different and interesting to have a fuller sort of scope also i just i will never tire of seeing like a lone man digging around in the sand <laughs> for like a tool like making like a a, a woman shaped mound of sand to cuddle up next to and then like oh, nikki yeah. glazer comes in to like do therapy and ask them to name five women comedians it is so delightful and I think something we've talked about a lot is, is that in a lot of dating shows they go for the drama or they go for the freak show element and we lose some of the joy and yeah. f-boy island really had that in spades and it still has some of that but it's yeah. been it's really been neutered 
Yeah, the more you talk about Limbro, the more I'm remembering it, and I'm feeling sad that we didn't have it this season. Bring Um, it back. Bring it back. It's so important to the soul of the show. I'm certain that Elon Gale was sad (laughs) to leave Limbro. (laughs) Yeah, no, this was clearly a network-level decision because it was such a great and crucial part of the experimentation on this show. Also, like, I'm curious how different the rest of the parts of the show that disappoint me would have looked if they'd still had this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we, you know, for one thing we'll talk about is the group of guys. And oh, I don't think either of us was wowed by the group of guys this season. Would that have looked different if we'd gotten a chance to see the F boys in Limbro and have a little bit more time where they're able to do comedy bits with Nikki or show different sides of themselves? Maybe. I'm That's not convinced, good... but maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know what? I think that this group of men would have been lackluster regardless, but I do think that you make a very good point, which is that there maybe are men that have some comedic timing we didn't get to see because <laughs> yeah. they had no chemistry with any of the three women. And yeah. they can serve a really important role in livening up the world of the show later on if we are allowed to kind of see that growth. listened to a free preview of this week's rich text podcast if you like what you heard and you want to listen to the rest of this week's podcast and our entire rich text back catalog you can become a paying subscriber at clarendemma.substack.com if not you can still enjoy our free weekly recommendations Rich Text is hosted, produced, and edited by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray. You can find the written version of Rich Text at clareandemma.substack.com. You can find us on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod, and you can find our other podcast, Love to See It, over at Stitcher and wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on TikTok and Twitter at Love to See It Pod. You can also find us individually at Claire E. Fallon and at Emma Lady Rose. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.